Good morning, family. You know, these are, are really the holy moments. Not just because I'm preaching this morning, but these are really holy moments. That was a joke. These are holy moments when God meets with these people, when we gather as a collective like this. And there's going to be snot and trana again today. Whenever I preach, I get emotional, but it's such a beautiful moment where the Holy Spirit is meeting with these people and He sees us as individuals. As individuals, he sees us individuals, and his desire is for us to grow into greater and greater fruitfulness. That's his absolute heart's desire. So I love the prayer um, before, just for um, for all the things that are happening across the globe, because it's very easy for us to get swept away. You know, open up your cell phone and your news feed, and there's war in Russia and Ukraine, and there's war in Israel, and there's earthquakes, and it's, it's very easy to get swept away with all of this tragedy and this violence and this needless bloodshed. And some would say that this would be signs of the end times. And I'm not here to say, yes, it is or it isn't. But if it is, then I'm also, can I say, excited? Because in, um, in Acts, when Peter addresses the crowds after the day of Pentecost. He references Joel, the prophet, and he says in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And we will dream dreams. And we will see visions. And we will prophesy. And for me, that is so exciting. If this is indeed what, the, what these signs are. Because Jesus is coming back for a bride that doesn't have a glass eye. She doesn't have a prosthetic limb. She hasn't got a stain on her dress, but he's coming back for a pure, beautiful, spotless bride that is victorious. Um, for those of us in the church recently, Robin Kirst went on, shall we call it, a shotgun sabbatical, where in, th- in six weeks they did what most of us do in about a year. They went on honeymoon to Mauritius. Um, Rob went to the UK for a little bit. But during that time, they went to just go and reset themselves and just ask the Lord, what are you saying? What, what, is the new, what is the new season ahead hold for us as a community? And two weeks ago, uh, Rob came and he brought what I thought was a phenomenal word. Um, who was here when Rob brought that, that word? Can I ask that if you weren't here, can we just have a culture of just going onto the website and downloading that podcast? I think there's so much in that message that it would be good for us to work in just in this next season. And even if you were here, can I encourage you to to listen to it again? Because there's so much in there. And I think what that word is, it's setting the temperature for us in the next season going forward. And so this morning, that's really what I want to work into is... Just the foundations, just leveraging off the foundation that Rob laid um, two weeks ago. Just before I get into what I want to share is there's, there is there's something of a benefit of... So Rob and Kirst lead the work here. And so God doesn't work with a democracy. He works... His leadership structure is always a way down. If we look at Moses in the wilderness, he works with that way. And he speaks to Moses first before he speaks to the other people. And so... We know that, that this couple is anointed, and we know that the Lord is giving them vision for, for the road ahead for us. 
And so for us as a people, there is a benefit of coming underneath the leading that they feel for us to align ourselves with the word that he brought. And so that's what I'm bringing this morning because there's a river for us to access that is particular for this little congregation. There's a river for us to access that will bring us into greater fruitfulness and produce more life. So when Rob spoke, I'm not sure if he referenced Hebrews 6 verse 1. If he didn't, then you know it's the Holy Spirit. But Hebrews 6 1, let me just get my Bible out. So Hebrews 6 1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of, of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So what the writer to the Hebrews here is saying is he's saying there are elementary foundational aspects that we experience as we come into the kingdom. And the two that he mentions here is one is the repentance of dead works from dead works. Because we know that no matter how good we are, no matter how much we give, no matter how generous and loving and kind we are, that is never going to be enough to, enter, to get us into the kingdom. And the second component that he mentions here is of faith. And, you know, it's by faith that we apprehend everything. It's by faith, like the Bible even says, that what is not of faith is sin. And so even as we come into the kingdom, it's by faith that we grasp these things. It's by faith that we first believe that we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and it's by faith that we enter into the new, into the kingdom. It's by faith that we are translated from, in the Old Testament, they had this temple with these stones, and there was a, and the Holy, uh, and the presence of God dwelt in this holy temple. It's by faith that we now know that we are that very temple. That we know that the Holy Spirit now no longer dwells in a building, but He dwells inside you and inside of me. It's also by faith that we know that the law is no longer written on, a, on stone tablets, but they're written on our hearts of flesh. So much more than just the Ten Commandments, so much more than just those ten things, there's so much more because our, our hearts are becoming alive. And so in the Old Testament, I need my water, thanks. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a shadow of what Jesus came to do. And we are the living proof of what Jesus has done. And so we are those new, those new temples. So let's focus a little bit more about these elementary doctrines that um, the writer to the Hebrews writes. And I'm going to take a little bit of a liberty and I'm going to just summarize it in my, something that works for me. It's called Jacques' Better Version. <laughs> Of these elementary doctrines and for me 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 is the actual the point of departure because I think this explains what we are called into and in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 it says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new so let's break this down. So first of all, if anyone is in Christ, and I trust that most here this morning are in Christ, and if you're not, we can help you with that. 
But if we are in Christ, it means, it says here, that we are a new creation. And that word new is not, is not a little bit better than what we were before. It's not, I used to be a sinner, but now I'm a little bit better. No, it actually, that word in the Greek means unused or unworn. It means it's brand spanking new. The second component to that verse is, um, and just, just to stick to that, I think it's so important that we get the definitions right. Sometimes it's semantics, but sometimes it can actually produce a material difference. And I've spoken about this before, but if I see myself as a sinner saved by grace, I'm not doing myself justice. Because I was a sinner, but now I'm a new creation. Now I am a saint. And if I still label myself a sinner, then I'm going to behave like a sinner, trying to be better. But I'm not working from the bottom up. I'm working... I'm not working from the top down, but I'm working from the top. I'm working seated with Jesus. And then it says, it says, um, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I have a revelation. That word all in the, in the Greek is actually the word all. It actually means anything and everything. So me as a new creation, everything Anything and everything has been made new. My thoughts might not have been renewed, and that's the transformation that we go through. But me as my being, I am new. I am new. Everything and anything is new. And so now, because of the beauty of this new creation, I have unimpeded and unhindered access to God the Father, to the Holy Spirit. He now has taken up residency inside of me. And now... I can draw from the rivers that come from the kingdom, the rivers that come from heaven, the rivers that Jesus has paid for. And so this is the beauty of what he has called us into. And then the second scripture I want to go to, so I'm just going to use these two scriptures just to almost describe in my words these elementary foundations. And it says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, it says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So here we see by his divine power, by him doing something that we never could have imagined of, it says he has given to us all. That is the exact same word that I referenced in the previous one. It means anything and everything. And it says here, given to us all things that pertain to life. That word life is God's life. It's the word Zoe. He has given us his very life, the life that he spoke that created the, the universes, that created the worlds. And the last part here is uh, life and godliness, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that word is holiness. He's given us everything that even comes to holiness. He's given us everything. And so to just summarize the elementary doctrine that I'm trying to describe this morning, number one, we are new creations. He is, we have been transformed and we are now not a, a, a version 2.1, but we are a brand new supernatural being. We're not um, human beings having a supernatural experience. We are supernatural beings having a human experience. And the second component to that is that he's given us everything. We have everything that we need. We don't need anything more because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we can now speak to him directly. And it's, as it says in Isaiah, he says, 
you, you will no longer need a teacher because your teacher will be behind you saying, go here and go here. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit with us. And so getting back to Hebrews 6 verse 1, these are the elementary doctrines that the writer is asking us to move on to. You know, um, just one thing that I, that I, me- that I uh, missed out with the elementary doctrines, he mentioned repentance from dead works and of faith. And just to give you a little illustration, um, myself and my youngest daughter, uh, Rachie, we have started going on prayer walks. She's a very early riser. I used to be a late-night owl when I got married. Um, Shani is an early riser, and so I've, she's molded me successfully to become an early morning, early bird. But Rachie's on a whole new level. She's up at half past five, and she's super excited. And so we go for a walk in the Delta, and we pray for everything from... Israel to Ukraine to the church to people to horses. They've got to be, we've always got to pray for horses. She loves horses. And on Thursday morning, we were walking, and as we were walking, I, started, I was praying in tongues, and I said to her, But Rachie, do you not pray in tongues? And she said, Yeah, Dad, but I've, I, 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 I don't really pray in tongues. I, it just feels weird, you know? I said, But Rachie, we've prayed for you twice. <laughs> um, so she says, yeah, but, you know, I just feel really weird. And I said, but, but you can pray quietly. I don't have to hear. Nobody has to hear. She said, yeah, but I still feel weird. I said, well, who's making you feel weird? No, it's the devil. I said, well, if it's the devil, then why, why are you going to listen to the devil? And so I just encouraged her that night to go and just, I said to her, just start speaking. Even if you think it's the biggest load of gobbledygook, just go do it all by yourself. Nobody can laugh at you. And that night she went into her room uh, before she went to bed, and she just prayed for a little while. Next morning, we went for our walk, and I said, so, Rachie, how's it going? And she said, you know, Dad, I just felt two nights before that she, she was in fear because she felt like there was an evil presence in the house, and she was in tears. But that night, when she went and prayed, she said, I felt the Holy Spirit was in the room with me, and he promised me a horse. <laughs> he did. <laughs> so there's a horse in her future somewhere. But there are two reasons why I'm, I'm bringing out this little story. The one, the one reason is that it is by faith that we apprehend. And you know, if, somebody gives, if the Lord gives you a word for somebody, he doesn't take you there, move your legs, move your mouth, blows wind through your, through your voice box, and then you start speaking. No, by faith we believe that the Lord has got a word for somebody, and I walk over to that person and I deliver it. And it's the same with everything in the kingdom. It's by faith that we appropriate these things. So for Rachie, it's by faith that she starts speaking something that she feels it's absolute nonsense. But the Lord confirms his word. The Lord confirms what he does. But the second reason why I'm bringing that little story is I want us to understand the heart of the Father. So the title of the message that I'm bringing this morning is Maturity in the Home. And it sounds like a James Dobson thing you know, maturity in the home, and we've got to love each other and whatever. But actually, this Hebrews 6 is a call to deeper maturity because we are moving on from the elementary doctrines, the basic foundations which are centermost in everything that we have. The gospel is right in the center. But there are other things in there that help us grow into a greater level of maturity. And just like a father walking with his daughter, Wanting to see his daughter flourish, 
grow powerful in the things of God. So God has a heart for us to grow in a greater level of maturity, to rise up into everything that he has for us. Because there are so many things, you know, Rachie could have left the whole things with tongues. It's almost like having a brand new pair of shoes. Girls love shoes. A brand new pair of shoes in heaven that she's never worn, but she hasn't ever, ever had the faith or the courage to go and take those shoes and wear those shoes because those shoes are made for her. And it's the same for every single one of us. There's so many things that the Father has prepared for us, that Jesus has paid for us, for us to enjoy, for us to be fruitful, for us to grow as responsible sons and daughters. So this foundation that we have, this is the launch pad for us to grow into a greater level of maturity. And in Matthew 25, verse 14, there's a parable. We know the parable well. It's the parable of the talents. Jesus is busy speaking to his disciples, and he starts off in, in um, Matthew 25, verse 14, and he says, for the, kingdom, kingdom of Ma- uh, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man who was about to take a journey. And he called his servants together and entrusted them with his possessions. And we know the story that, so first of all, these are, these are servants that he trusts. And he's going away and he's saying, I'm going to leave these things for you. You look after them. You grow the business. You grow these things. And he gives them talents. Each, each one of those he gives talents. One he gives ten, one he gives five, and one he gives one. And I don't really want to get into... Uh, into too much of, this, of the, the detail of the parable. But the one thing we know is that when he came back, he was expecting growth. He was expecting fruit. He was expecting his servants to do something with that. And on Wednesday night, um, Rob, we, we had a, there was a church prayer meeting at Rob's house. And Rob, uh, in fact, yeah, Rob, Rob used the example of a stake. So the elementary principles or the elementary doctrines is this beautiful steak that by itself is delicious, but actually there are a whole lot of sides, and those sides all combine with the steak to bring it to the most incredible, incredible steak. So the steak is always going to be there, but these other things are designed for us to achieve our brightest color, our richest flavor. That is what um, what this is for. And so in the context of this, parable, we see that there is, uh, it's almost like a picture of uh, one of the things that Rob also said when he, when he preached was that there is a, there's a difference between a home and a house. Yeah. Because you know, you can have, if you have enough money, you can go and get the perfect house. It's got a borehole, it's got solar, it's got five bedrooms, it's got a <laughs> cinema, it's got everything. But that house, no matter how much money you have, you cannot turn it By using money into a home, you can't. Because there's a fundamental difference between a house and a home. You see, a house can look wonderful. It can have the best Italian tiles. It can have all of these things. But what it is missing is is intimacy. It's missing the connection. It's missing because it takes people to make a home. It doesn't take people to live there to build a house. They will build a house and they will move off. But it's in a home we feel secure, we feel known, and we feel like we're in an environment like a greenhouse 
where we are allowed to flourish, make mistakes, but we are allowed to flourish. And it is a home that the Lord is calling us into. Getting back to the parable, the master was building a home because he gave the parables to his, to his servants. But the one that went and buried his, uh, his, his talent, I would like to propose that he was living in a house. He hadn't bought in to the master. He hadn't bought in to what the master represented and what the master wanted and what the master wanted to achieve. Whereas the others were responsible sons and daughters, taking the things that God had given them and building it. And so the Lord is asking us to make this gospel something that is personal, something that is ours, that we buy in. Even coming to a Sunday morning service like this, you know, we're a body. A body speaks about unity. Everything is, is inter, inter, interwoven. Everything is connected to everything. And if the toe is sore, then the body feels it. If the toe is missing, the body feels it. So in the light of this new creation and the foundation that I've laid, I want to read James chapter 4, verse 8. And it says here, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just that one first part of that verse, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And you know, in the context of the gospel, it's very easy for us to say, but you know, Jesus initiates. He came from heaven. He came to me. And while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. And that is the truth. He initiated. But this, this, um, this verse here is written to believers. It's not written, written to unbelievers. Because while we were unbelievers, Jesus makes, he crosses the barrier. He builds the bridge. But he's speaking to sons and daughters here. And it sounds almost, almost contrary to the gospel. I must draw near to God and then will he draw near to me? But that is a response of sons and daughters. Because we have everything. We are working from this perfect um, elementary doctrine that I'm a new creation and I've been given everything. And I now need to use these things. The Bible also says in Matthew and in Luke, it says, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. So what a wonderful picture of just sons and daughters pressing into their father. Because I want to know what your mind is. Like Robin cursed when they went away for their sabbatical. We want to know what it is. We're actually separating ourselves and we are seeking you, God, so that we can hear your voice. Because we want to build on your foundation. We want to build on the way, in the way that you want us to build. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now I beseech you, this is Paul writing to the Romans, he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then he says, which is your reasonable service. You know, everything that we have is what he has given us. There's nothing that you and I can put down right now that we have ourselves. Everything, even my breath, everything is something that he has given me. And so, as we fall in love with him over and over and deeper and deeper, we learn to lay down more and more. And this is the wonderful thing. It's the privilege 
of being able to lay down more. Because as we lay down more, we become more like him and we use him more. For me, it's such a privilege to preach in the, uh, here on a Sunday morning because I know he's using me. And that, I think, is the greatest single thing that we could ever enjoy is knowing that our Father has used us. You know, when Jesus says to the, when the master says to the, to the servants that, that increased the five talents to the ten talents, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that is almost the best thing we could ever hear. Not that we need to earn God's love. He gives us his love liberally. But he's also given us so many things to be fruitful. And isn't it such a privilege when, when we know that our Father looks on us and he can see that we are fruitful that we are bursting with life because we've allowed his Zoe life to flow through us. And then the last, the last um, parable I'd like to reference is in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 9. And it's a very well-known um, parable. It's a parable of the sower and the seed. And there are four little scenarios. The first one is where the sower goes out. And he scatters seed and it falls on the path. And the birds of the air come and they take those, that seed away. And it's a picture of the gospel going out to people and they don't get saved. They don't hear that it's the Holy Spirit calling their name and, and that's, that seed is stolen. The next one is where some of the seed falls on rocky ground. And the seed germinates, but because the ground is rocky and hard, it can only go down to a certain point and maybe it dies or maybe it produces very weak fruit, but it doesn't really achieve its potential. And the third one is where the seed falls in amongst um, thorns. And again, the, the seed germinates, the roots go down, but these, these weeds start strangling it and stop it from being as fruitful as it could be. And then the last one is where the seed falls on good, well-prepared, well-tended soil, and it produces a harvest of 30, 60, and 100-fold and Jesus goes on to explain to his disciples what these scenarios mean. And just going to the second one, the hard, hard rock, the rocky ground is where persecution and tough times cause us to start doubting God. And as a result, we never, that we never really have the fruit. We never really have the good fruit that the Lord wants from our lives. The third, the third um, instance is where the, the weeds come up, and those are the cares of life. It's like we get so busy. We get the new job, and now suddenly I'm so busy, and now I'm going off in a direction. And I'm not saying that it's, I'm not coming against um, us being busy in our jobs and whatever. Sometimes there's a season for that. But just hear what I'm saying here. It's like sometimes we can get so, we can get so wrapped up in the things and they start becoming a distraction. It could, be, it could be my new wife. It could be my new baby. It could be a whole number of things. And I'm not pointing fingers at anyone here. Just hear my heart. But those things can strangle this seed, can strangle this new seedling. And so in this parable, the way I see it is that we do have a responsibility as sons and daughters to get rid of the rocks to get rid of the weeds. Now, I can do a certain measure, but I need, really need to co-label with the Holy Spirit because I can't make sure that every area of my heart is soft and well-tended. And this is where we journey with the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes there's forgiveness required. Sometimes there's bitterness. And the Lord takes us to places, and He's always about our heart so that our heart can receive the seed. Even this morning, as Rob was talking, there's fresh seed falling. 
and I have a measure of choice. I can't control anyone else. I can't control my wife. Heaven knows I've tried. Um, I can't control my children. But I can labor with the Holy Spirit, co-labor with the Holy Spirit to make sure that my heart is a fertile seedbed, is a place where when his, when his seed falls, it germinates and it produces a harvest. And so, I, uh, before I, when I was still preparing for this, I actually wanted to bring some kingdom values because a home is based on values. It's not based on principles. We can have principles. We can take principles out of the Bible and we can live by those principles. But by living by the principles exclusively, we deny the power of the author of those principles producing fruit in our lives. Because if I live by principles, I don't need anybody. I can just take Stephen Covey's severed habits of highly effective people and I can apply those things in my life and I can have a semblance of a beautiful house with Italian tiles, with all of those things. But the Holy Spirit has not taken up residence in my home. He's not supping with me. He's not communing with me. But when I live by the values, and I, I believe like over the next foreseeable future, we'll be bringing in, just working in some of the values of the kingdom. Because the values of the kingdom are the values of a home. The values in our home, we have certain values that we live by. And you know sometimes we have to enforce those more than we do at other times. But we do need to. This is what we want to be known for. And so just some, some values. I'm just going to go through them quickly because I'm coming to the end, thankfully for everybody, I'm sure. But some of the kingdom values that I think would be good for us to dwell on, is number one is service. Service, you know, just giving, just helping in the morning with setup if somebody needs to, if, there's, if there's, we need people to set up or at children's church or uh, it could be taking a meal to somebody who's just had a baby. It could be um, just being, being close to somebody who's just experienced uh, a, a death in the family. Service is a kingdom value. Honor and humility. Honor and humility. The Bible says we must give preference to one another. We must esteem each other more highly than we do ourselves. How counter-cultural is that in our modern-day environment where it's, it's all about me getting ahead, all about me putting my best foot forward, pumping my chest out, and making people believe that, you know, Jacques the guy, you know? <laughs> Community and family. This is a beautiful moment. This is a beautiful family moment. Sunday home churches are beautiful community moments where we actually can use the giftings that he's given us because he's given every single one of us giftings. And if you don't know what those are, come and speak to us. We, we'd be happy to journey with you for you to find out what those giftings are. But every one of us has got a gifting. And we, every single person as an individual, we perform a vital part of this, this body. But not just this body, where you work, in your family, wherever we go, we have this flavor and this presence that we carry. Beginning of the year, Rob started off with devotion. He felt like devotion was a word for this year. And what does devotion look like? Well, devotion looks like devoting ourselves to prayer. You know, I love the times with Rachie because we get to just cover things. We create an atmosphere in our family and wherever we're praying, we're saying, Lord, come, create an atmosphere for seeds to germinate. Create an atmosphere for life to take place. Create an atmosphere for people's lives to be changed. And also reading of the word. It's important that we hear. And these are not must-dos. Please, guys, I'm not trying to bring a heavy. But like a father, 
The Lord wants us to be fruitful. The Lord is saying, my heart for you, I've done everything. I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Come, come, partner with me and be fruitful. And then purity, you know. Purity can be in our thoughts, in our sexual lives. It can be in a number of different things. God wants us to be pure because that is a kingdom value. It's a kingdom value for us to operate like that. And so in ending, I want to read Romans chapter 12, the whole, not the whole chapter, but most of the chapter. Because I think here Paul just describes so beautifully what a home looks like, what a kingdom home looks like. And it says here, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, humility, but to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts offering according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use them to minister. In teaching, he who exhorts, in, exhort, in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another and in brotherly love, with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I think that, if we achieve half of that, if we get half of that, we, we are going to flourish. And, I'm, and we are. We've got a beautiful community, uh, really. We have. This is one of the most incredible communities I've ever been part of. But the Lord is calling us to more. The Lord is calling us to give our, our bigger yes to the kingdom, is to give our bigger yes to the things that he is doing. <laughs>